Then the dog ate the caviar. Did he really? Yeah. What happened next? Now, we better go. Oh, the birthplace <laughs> of the Bohemian Revolution. From Cowork 591 Studios, this is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. Co-host Dale Reber and producer Blake Tempest. I am Jim Gillespie, and this is the Jessup News for October 23rd, 2023. On today's podcast, we talk about the winners and losers educational changes, co-work 591 news. We look at the events inside the Steve Brown Arts Center. We give you the top stories in Jessup. We discuss service in the arts, and Dale has something special for you. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. We'll be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagement. Don't forget the long-range vision is to house artists and residents for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for a contribution of labor and maintenance of the buildings and the grounds around them. So, Dale, let's get right at it. All right. Let's let's talk about the winners and losers. Who do you have... uh, for winners and losers. Well, this, I, or, I'm this sure week. we've had this <laughs> in one form or the other as winners several times, but I, I had to go with the Iowa Hawkeye women's basketball team getting that 55,000 people uh, to come to uh, Kinnick Stadium. I just thought that was a fantastic effort. And if you look beyond the numbers and think about how much organization and how many people had to be involved in making that happen, it's just fantastic. And I think it's just a wonderful uh, thing that they were able to get all that done. It was just amazing. And even, you know, the weather was a little iffy. Uh, you see, Caitlin Clark shot an air ball from the free throw line, <laughs> which usually doesn't have much. You had a wind took it, you know. <laughs> so uh, so the three-point shooting was off from everybody. But I think it was just a great for the University of Iowa and for the state of Iowa and for, for women's sports altogether. And so uh, they were my winners for this week. That's a great, that's a great choice. I know uh, usually when the football team plays out of town, the, uh, the athletic staff has – the weekend off, mm-hmm. and, and it was another weekend, or it was another weekend of work, and many of the many of the people were proud to be working for women's basketball sure. yeah. so, for the University of Iowa. You're yeah. right; that well, was I think a big great. deal. Yeah, and we've mentioned that the women's basketball programmer Caitlin Clark several times, I think. Yeah, but I, I thought uh, to me that was the most spectacular winning kind of thing that happened this past week. It is. It is it, that's a good one. Um, for, for me, um, I, I was reading there's major changes going on in India. India is, is pushing. If, if it hasn't, it's pretty close to passing. Uh, China is the most populous country in the world, mm-hmm. and changes are going on there drastically. One of the changes is... The government is recognizing finally the LGBTQ community in India, and it's not such an outlawed and such such a questionable thing in India. They 
like in the United States and like Iowa a number of years ago, um, it, it is, it is uh, finally been accepted in India. And, and India is fighting with two different, you know, the majority of the religions are Hindu and Islam rather than the United States being a Christian country. Mm -hmm. So so that's that's my winner. The country of India is my winner okay. for for the week. Now is there a, a competition between those two countries? So who has the most people or you know they you think they're striving for the honor or is well, this happening? China China is China, you know, was allowing only one child mm -hmm. for many years. Yeah. And now, you know, because of the baby boom or because of boomers like you and I, <laughs> um, and they have many people our age oh, there, sure. yeah. they, have, they don't have enough people to take care of them mm -hmm. um, because they limited families to one child yeah. family. And so, but that's one of the reasons that India, India caught up and passed. Yeah. I don't think it's a race at all. No, I, yeah. know I know. I, I know understand. I understand. I understand. Yeah. That's that that'd be quite a thing to be competitive in, you know. So <laughs> it's your duty to have more children, so yeah. we can say we're number one. So, uh, uh, I'm afraid be, we'd be seeing things. <laughs> or people would be seeing things they didn't want to see. Yeah. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and you you loser, Dale. All right, I chose Jim Jordan because uh, he's running for Speaker of the House, and I don't think he's going to make it. He had uh, 20 against him yesterday and 22 today, and so I'm going to throw this out on to see if it sticks. But I really think the way to do it is is to find 120 moderate Republicans and 120 moderate Democrats and make some kind of coalition government in the House of Representatives, and because the Republicans are the majority, let the re one of those moderate Republicans be the speaker, and uh, just for the good of the country to get things going. Well, I'm not hoping, but I'm predicting that that's the only way they're ever going to get out of this, is by forming some kind of coalition government. Countries all over the world do it, so they can govern, and I think that maybe this is the time, maybe the United States could do it too, and it would just be what, until the elections, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe uh, things will be more clear after the November election. So, but this way, because uh, they got a gun to their head with this whole shutting down the government, and everything coming up, and problem with Israel and the problem with Ukraine, and what are they going to do something or not? But they need to be able to make decisions. And so, to me, uh, some kind of coalition government with the moderates, where they would outnumber the radicals, and they could actually get something done for the next couple months. Well, I guess till January, and move the country forward. So, I'm predicting that. Ashley Henson, uh, our representative, um, she she was one of the two that turned her vote over yeah. from yesterday mm -hmm. to today. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not reading good things about Jim Jordan in the back room. No, uh -uh. I'm not either. And uh, reading about his past, you you read about that? Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. he's got some some bad things in his past, or at least that are ghosts that are haunting him a little bit, I think. And so uh, there's got to be somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that can have the character and the ability to uh, get things together without being abusive or, uh, you know, some of those guys, they just really run that place like they're a little dictator. And I think if you could get people together, if you're the kind of person that could get people together because they want to get together, uh, that's the kind of person I'd be looking for. And there's got to be somebody there. Well, the uh, Matt Gates from Florida may have wrecked two political careers and and uh, what is it, McCarthy mm -hmm. and and Jordan, 
Um, I don't see either one of them out. You know, both I can see both both of them re- redesigning or retiring mm-hmm. from this yeah. as well. So that's a real good one. Um, I had as a loser Mary Lou Retton. Ah. I had her, um, but but then I I heard a story about the host the two hundred and you hear different numbers, mm-hmm. but I heard. Um, that the Hamas has 200 hostages in Gaza. Yeah. Um, they have them. Everybody's saying they have them in tunnels below Gaza. Um, in in um, the transverse everywhere. Um, they have metal walls and ceilings. They have electric wire and you know. And th- this is this is slowed. Israel, because Israel told everybody in Gaza to get out. We're coming in in 24 hours, mm-hmm. and it's been well over, oh, 96 hours Yeah, it's now. been quite a while. Yeah, and they know that uh, those 200 hostages sit there, and they, they'll they have to face the parents of those people, the families of those people, if they, or, they order that invasion. Mm-hmm. So the, the losers in my mind are the hostages in Gaza right now. Yeah, I still can't figure out the whole motivation there. There was a cartoon in one of the papers, and it showed a, a big bear with a pilot's helmet on sitting in a cockpit of a fighter jet, and the canopies up, and that was Israel. And then they had a little mouse, it was Hezbollah, poking the bear with a stick. And that's kind of what happened here. And right. you just wonder, what was the motivation? What did they hope to gain? And something that's been bothering me is that uh, when the Russians were bombing Ukraine, you know, the cities, the, the, uh, the civilian population, and you think, okay, you know, you were on the side of the poor people getting bombed, and now Israel is bombing in Gaza. Your heart is kind of with the people doing the bombing there. It's just, uh, and I'm not sure how I, I, it just bothers me that I feel one way on this side and the other way on the other side, and uh, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, but uh, you see those cities being blown up, and you think, how's that ever going to work out for all those people? Well, uh, then last night at this time, you had somebody bombing a hospital with 500 people in it. You yeah. know, and, and you know the this is this is an oxymoron if I've ever heard of one. But in the rules of war. Um, you're not supposed to attack a hospital. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you saw the nightly news tonight, but they had that they were shooting these rockets off in a cemetery right behind the hospital or a parking lot or something. And one of them went up and fizzled and landed on that uh. hospital. They have uh, interceptions of, of two people talking about what happened with that rocket? Well, landed, you know, shorted out, landed on the hospital. And they have video of all the rockets being fired and one of them kind of fizzling out and dropping down and so and Israel said you look at the pictures and you can see there's rocket fuel on some of those cars there's no bomb crater that would be there if we had bombed it from an airplane and so they say that they're looking at that as proof that it wasn't them that it was uh President Biden said the other team yeah and so yeah. uh they're saying that this one group was shooting rockets and they one of their own rockets dropped on this hospital so uh, that's what the United States is supporting right now. That you know the 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 thing, that, and I'm not saying this is what's happened because you're going to get one thing from one side and one thing from the other. Yeah. 
Um, the people are still dead. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to add, yeah. AI is so easy to control things. You know, mm -hmm. is yeah. that conversation between those two people AI? Is, mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. are those pictures AI? Well, yeah. yeah. You know, it is. No, I understand. It's a that. nightmare. Yeah. It it's, is. It's, it's a nightmare yeah. beyond imagination. All right. Well, Dale, Dale has something special for us today. Um, what is that, Dale? <laughs> you always say it's special. I say, don't say that. <laughs> you always say, I say, don't say, just say, I have something. It's not special. Okay, well, I found this article. It was by a lady named Shirley Whiteside. And this was in uh, the Bulletin Journal not too long ago. <laughs> and she's talking about a meeting she attended on August 10th in Floyd County. It was organized by the Iowa Citizens for Community Improvement. And this is one of my things that I harp on every now and then is about... Uh, in Iowa, we have a lot of problems that aren't being addressed by our legislators. They're, ta they're talking about things that affect only a, a small number of people when the big problems aren't being addressed at all. One of those is the, the purity of the water in Iowa. Iowa has some of the dirtiest water in the country. And at this meeting, it said people testified about how their well water is no longer drinkable, how it was no longer safe to swim or even kayak in many bodies of water historically enjoyed. And they showed a map of the beach closures uh, from uh, the recent map, uh, they showed all the swine operations, and there's over 7,000 hog farms and with over 500 animals at any given time. So that translates to about 26 million uh, swine units. And they uh, presented a graph that documents the uh, impaired water in Iowa, and it's tripled uh, 250 in 2002 to about 750 impaired waterways in 2020. And the leading cause of pollution in waterways is bacteria, often associated with farm animals and also people. The factory farms that run these huge swine operations uh, act with impunity. The DNR has not issued even one clean water permit. Corporations are not being held accountable for what is presumed to be manure disposal and use that has impacted our waterways, infecting rural wells where people are forced to buy bottled water and urban treatment centers where so many chemicals are added to water to make it safe to drink that it tastes bad. Iowa Public Health has said Iowa now ranks second in rising cancer rates, uh, second only to Kentucky. And a lot of that is, is uh, from the water. If you see all these commercials about people drinking the poison water at Camp Lejeune uh, and all the different kinds of cancers and things, and they're being paid millions of dollars. And I was there for 12 weeks in Camp Lejeune in 1966 and drank the water, and so far I haven't had any problems. They're warning, you know, drinking bad water can have long-range effects. Sometimes 50 years later it can affect you. And so one lady testified she, there was going to be a hog confinement built across the road from her, and so she wanted to get her water tested before they built that over there. And uh, she learned her water was already undrinkable uh, due to overall unregulated pollutants that were in her water source. There was a guy there from the meat, he's talking about how uh, people want cheap meat, and that's why we're willing to subsidize all of these factory farms and not get after them too much. And uh, I think people realize that rather than cheap meat, they need clean water, because uh, without clean water, you're going to uh, dry up and die, aren't you? Clean air, clean water. And uh, so anyway, conservation, I, I, I wish they would do something with these farms to clean up the water. And I might as well talk about farmers too. I took a course at UNI called Conservation of Iowa Resources about 50 years ago. 
And uh, the uh, instructor talked a lot about fall plowing and how much of our soil is blown away. And I always look in the fall, you see with the combines now, all the fields are covered with residue. Before the snow flies, you'll see a lot of them will turn black again because they will get out there and they don't plow anymore, but they still do turn the dirt over, bury the residue, and you got all that black dirt being blown away. And so we have lost already all, almost half or probably over half of the soil that we had when we started back in the 1800s. So uh, conservation is everybody's business. And you say farmers farm, they're not miners. They're not supposed to mine the soil until there's nothing left in it. And I think that's what uh, we need to get back to is that we take care of the soil and uh, do everything we can because it's our most valuable resource in this state. So anyway, so that's what I have. I don't know. Well, to make matters worse, Dale, um, because of the drought this year, the Mississippi is way down mm -hmm. and there is salt water working its way upstream. Um, now, obviously, it's not this far upstream. Mm -hmm. Um, it's starting to wreak havoc in towns in Louisiana mm -hmm. from salt water moving up the Mississippi. Yeah. I did not realize that was happening until just yesterday. It was the first mm -hmm. time I heard a reference to that. Yeah, that would be kind of scary. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of people make their living off the Mississippi River one way or the other. You know, the barges can't carry as much grain, so therefore everything is more expensive. And so uh, this whole uh, drought thing, climate change thing, the world's going to be a different place if this continues over the next, you know, 25 years or whatever. You know, Dale, it, I'm going to sound old here. You know, we can put a man <laughs> on the moon, <laughs> but yeah. um, here we are. We can put a man on the moon, but in, the world is made up two-thirds of water. Cannot someone find a way to take salt water and make that drinkable? Yeah, well, they have those. Israel has those places. I understand. And there's some in California, I believe, and other places, but it's very expensive, of right. course. But, yeah, it can be done, but it's very expensive. Well, it's like, it's like the Catlin, my, my first calculator I bought at Gibson's when I was in seventh grade. That calculator was $14 <laughs> in some sense, and that same calculator is being given away free by banks now. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it is... If enough people build that, Dale, you know, it's going to it's going to be worth mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. Worth it to the world. And see, those are the kind of problems I think we ought to be working on yes. in this country and you know, in the world. But in our country, we ought to be working on those kind of problems instead of where people go to church or what kind of uh, name they want to be called by or I don't know. I just think we're, we're concerned about the wrong things that there's things that we need to do to make this world a better place. And those are the things we're going to be concentrating on. And, you know, it's going to cost money, but everything costs money. And, you know, money's not going to do you any good if there's no place to spend it. I don't know. That's the way I think. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Very good, very good one. We have one obituary from uh, White's Funeral Home in Jessup, Iowa. Shirley Patton, 85, of Jessup, Iowa, died of natural causes Thursday, October 22nd, 2023, <clears throat> excuse me, October 12th, 2023, at the Martin Suites in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Funeral services were held, or will be held on this, this Friday, or last Friday, I guess. This is being taped, um, and will be out Monday, at Zion Lutheran Church in Jubilee, 
in rural LaPorte City. Burial will be at the Garden of Memories in Waterloo, mm-hmm. Iowa. Cheryl was born July 16, 1938, the daughter of Dale and Darlene Winkleman Hummel. She graduated from Waterloo West High School with a class in 1956 and then attended Allen Nursing School in Waterloo, graduating in 1959. On September 12, 1959, she was united in marriage to James Raymond Patton at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Waterloo. She worked as a registered nurse at Allen Memorial Hospital until deciding to stay home and be a homemaker. Jim and Cheryl moved to rural Jessup in 1976, fell in love with the countryside where Cheryl helped Jim on the farm. She loved to bake cookies and affectionately became known as the cookie lady. She enjoyed putting puzzles together, solving crossword puzzles, fishing, cleaning, and mowing the lawn. Cheryl and Jim loved to travel the countryside looking for new places to eat. She loved her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren and enjoyed following their activities. Cheryl was a member of the Zion Lutheran Church in Jubilee. Cheryl survived by her son, Mark Allen Patton of Waterloo, granddaughter Amanda Joe, farmer of Bozemont, Montana, and two great-grandchildren, Maddox Stanley Farmer and Lennox Joe Farmer, and her brother, Jerry Laverne Hummel of Waterloo, Iowa. Presided in, in death by her parents, her husband, James Raymond Patton, one son, James Andrew Patton, one grandson, Daniel James Patton, and one brother, Terry Lynn Hummel. Memorials may be directed to the church and to the American Lung Association. I don't know if you're in this group or not, but there's a lot of men out there that are looking for a woman that will clean. Oh, really? Yeah, and also own a boat or something. But uh, Oh, really? Yeah, they're in a, a high demand. So. They're women that clean fish. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Dale, <laughs> you kind of, have well, something special. Well, this kind of goes along with with what we're doing now, but I this was in the in the building today, and I had seen one earlier today at just kind of stuck in by the gas pumps, uh, at Quickstar. So I'm I'm believing thinking that they're probably around town. It's called a lonely bouquet, and this is attached to a bouquet of flowers, either in a vase or or wrapped in something. It says, "Adopt me, please. I'm all alone and looking for a new home." Perhaps I can live with you or a loved Our flower friends would love to hear from us and find out where we ended up. Please let them know at Facebook-FarmersWifeFlowers. And this is in memory of our farm boy, Canaan. So if you see uh, one of these little bouquets around town, why uh, they're asking you to pick it up and then kind of let them know uh, where it ended up, something special that they're doing. So uh, I'll put this back on the vase out there. And so there's one here at the... At the shop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of a neat thing to do. That, that is. Um, Dale, do you have li- library news? Yes, I do. How did uh, you know that? I have ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> One and two or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, the little, at the library, uh, they have the Little Tot Story Time every Thursday at 1030. They have songs and stories and, and more stuff. And the October Spice, you remember is Lavender. Now, uh, smoked paprika. Oh, that's right. That's right. Now, for the Hungarians. So that should be right in your wheelhouse of Hungarian. Okay. Yes, yes. The Little Tot Story Time, Thursdays at 10.30 a.m. A perfect opportunity for little ones to spark their imagination and develop a love for reading, which is so important. Uh, don't miss out if you have little kids on this magical experience. The November book for the book club is Dinner with the Smileys by Sarah Smiley. And it's available to pick up at the library. 
and the meeting will be November 20th at 1 o'clock. Oh, they got a long time. Uh, this book is an uplifting true story of a wife and mother's year-long experience inviting one new guest from senators to school teachers, artists to professional athletes to dinner for each week that her husband was deployed. Uh, National Friends of the Library Week is October 16th through the 21st. Uh, the Friends of the Public Library was established to provide long-term financial support to enhance the services and collections of the library for both today and tomorrow. Uh, always accepting new members, and you can get a membership in person at the library or online at the Jessup Public Library website. Uh, they have a Meet an Iowa author. Uh, always interesting. I don't know if you've ever been to these book talks or where someone comes mm -hmm. and talks about the book they have written and kind of how the process works and how it went together for them and very interesting and tires you out. You think about how hard it is to write a novel or something. Anne Hannigan on Friday, November 3rd at 2 o'clock will be at the library and she will discuss her book, A Tale of a Woman and Wife Working Towards the American Dream. Learn of the struggles Norwegian immigrants faced as they battled disease, famine, and poverty. Hannigan's novel of love, loss, and heartache is based on her own family's Norwegian heritage. The program is free and open to the public. And they have her book, The Journey of Caroline Olson, is available for checkout at the library. So uh, the next meeting, we're talking about the Friends of the Public Library. Their next meeting is Thursday, October 19th. Uh, Movie Monday. This is October 23rd. Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Did you ever read that book? No. Okay, I read that uh, several times to uh, classes, older classes, and it's, it was uh, for its time. You know, mm -hmm. It's been around a long time. So uh, it finally got liberal enough to make it into a movie. We're going to have a free screening of this new movie, along with free popcorn on Monday, October 23rd at 1 o'clock. It's rated pg and, oh, okay, it's PG-13. It runs for an hour, 46 minutes. And then October, you got to have a Harry Potter party. And it says, calling all young witches and wizards, grab your broomsticks and wands because it's time for a spellbinding Harry Potter party. Try to say that 10 times. You won't want to miss. On Friday, October 27th at 3.30, we'll have a host of magical activities, including pin the nose on Voldemort, brewing butterbeer, getting sorted into a house, free Dobby socks toss, and much more. Uh, register online and let the magic begin at tinyurl.com slash jpl dash Harry Potter. But I would bet if you went on the library's website, they would how to get on there. I'm in, I'm in on the brewing butter beer. They say you drink a lot of that and you slide right <laughs> on the bar. So just, okay. They also have 1,000 books before kindergarten, uh, that program is uh, designed to be simple and encourage making reading a daily habit. You can sign up at the library to receive a log to record your child's first 100 books or use the 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten app available at your app store or at iTunes. Uh, and they're still looking for more partners to support the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. This free program provides monthly books for children ages 0 to 5 living in the Jessup School District. And this service is funded locally funded, and we are grateful for those who are already our sponsors. And they have a list here, the Friends of the Jessup Public Library, Heartland Technology, Innovative Wealth Management, Jessup Paint and Auto Body, Jessup Chamber of Commerce, and the Jessup Public Library Endowment Fund. If you or your business would like to partner with us, please contact the library. So uh, that's a wonderful program. Thank that's you. the library news. Thank you. Um, 
We have a quick announcement from Roger Pook. He was a guest on here. He will be having karaoke on Saturday, October 28th from 1 to 4 at his shop. Okay. Right across from the band Gazebo. You get a chance, stop in for that. I think this is about the third or fourth time that Roger has done that. Roger um, loves music, and and everybody tells me Roger has quite a voice. So you get in and get a chance, sing, sing with Roger. That's Saturday, October 28th, 1 until 4. So we were going to, what song were we going to sing? Country Roads? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, Country, Country Roads. Roads. Okay, yes, so. it was. Have you got that learned yet? We could go down. And... Uh, the uh, I, I've got that. I, my 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 father grew up in West Virginia, mm-hmm. and we would go to West Virginia every summer. Oh, okay. And it would have been uh, in the late '60s, early '70s when John Denver came out with that. Mm-hmm. And we, I arrived. I arrived to my aunt's in Cottageville, West Virginia, actually, is where my aunt lived, Aunt Laddie. And my my cousin was there, and he had a record player, and he had that single, country, um, <laughs> Take Me Home, Country Road. Yeah. We played that for all 10 days we were there. I'm sure the whole house was so tired of it. Yeah. But, yeah, I could sing that with yeah. you, Dale. All right. Blake, you, you'll have to carry us. We'll get heavy. But I'll do my best. All right. Thank you. I might take some guitar lessons or something. While... The uh, Dale, just off the subject a little bit, I know you're a baseball man. love baseball, actually. Did you know that uh, when, when uh, Peacock came out, they... They had uh, set up a television show. They, they had planned a television show called Field of Dreams that right. was going to run off, uh, be a runoff of the movie Field okay. of Dreams. Okay. I don't think I ever heard that. Yeah, okay. and this is rather interesting, Dale. Um, they had, they have, they actually put um, the producers and the writers to work on this, and... They came to Iowa, and they started looking for another place to build another field of dreams. And they they found all sorts of houses, like the one over in Dyersville, with a big, giant white house, beautiful white house, corn, and a long driveway. Okay. And they went to numerous ones and finally found one in Polk County. And they, they uh, talked to this... They talked to this family and convinced them to build it. And it's, a, it's right outside of Polk City, okay. actually. It's, I've uh, been there. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, to the ball field? No, I, there's a beach store there I used to go to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but but this, this ball field is there and took them four months to, uh, to build it. They, they, they built it similar to the one out in Dyersville. And then NBC pulled the rug out from under. Oh, so, so the field is still there. The or? field is still there. Okay. Um, they're they're using it to, to uh, I can't remember if it's Southeast Polk or Northeast Polk. Um, they're using it. I, I heard an interview of a family that has a farm, and it's like on eight acres, and they want to use it as a fundraiser for the school. Actually. Oh, okay. I think it's Southeast Polk, actually. Yeah, that would be the district, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But well, that, I have to find that the next time I'm in yeah, the area. Yeah. I did not realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bait shop is closed, so I'll go to the vault. There you go. There you go. 
Uh, but th- I, I heard that. Okay. I heard that uh, this yesterday on my travels. Yeah. Okay. So, Dale, I, I'll give you a chance to think about this, and I'll bloviate a little while. Okay. Um, I used to teach a lesson of the five greatest humans to ever walk, and the I'm asking you to think about this. Okay. Who, who, and you don't have to put them in any particular order. But I would ask you who you would put on your list. Think okay. about it. My students um, would, would give many. They obviously they would give Jesus Christ and and Muhammad. They would would give Zadatagwatma. You know the religious leaders. They would they would give um, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. Many of them would give. Amer- American men, not a lot of women, mm-hmm. were were put on that list. Um, they would give sports heroes and the like. I I I always I always talked about um, Alexander the Great as being w- one of my top five. Alfred Nobel, um, the the famed inventor of dynamite. Um, who's very famous now for the Nobel Peace Prize, Mm -hmm. as one of them, Jesus Christ, um, was one of them um, for three. The the, uh, probably um, those were three that come to my mind, and then it would change over the the years who my other two were, who I I wanted to promote, etc., and who I wanted to... Get the conversation going with yeah. them. So Nobel, did he now, did he think that the invention of dynamite would be the end to war? Then was that one of his things, or? Well, I, I believe he I, I believe he developed it, Dale, to to move farm rocks. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then people took it and, mm-hmm. and ruined it for him. Yeah. He became extremely wealthy. Oh, yeah, I know that, yeah. Well, you know, at one time, the English longbow was such a feared weapon because the arrows would go through armor mm-hmm. that they thought war is ended because that weapon is so terrible that no one would dare fight against them. Right. And then, you know, that didn't last very long until you had the invention of gunpowder and all this other stuff, right. and then nuclear power and this sort of thing. So there's never, there's always another weapon on the horizon, it seems. So I was wondering about Nobel. And who would you say? Do you have, do you have, a, do you have a top three? I gave a top three. Go ahead and yeah, give well, a top three. I, anybody trying to help people get along with other people. So you'd have to say Jesus. And I think Gandhi, and all these people had frailties, of course, and problems, but Gandhi really worked hard to uh, get freedom and, and establish a country for his people without, without violence. I think George Washington had to be a fantastic man uh, to go through all that he did, and uh, you know, fighting the British and also fighting the Congress, uh, trying to keep everything together and not, not giving up, because that was mm-hmm. a long war. And it didn't go well for him for a long time, and yet he never gave up. He kept, you know, persevering. And so I think uh, I, I would I would say that George Washington was a great man. Mm-hmm. Uh, good ones, good ones. So so um, today today I'm going to talk a little bit about um, you know I, I mentioned Alexander the Great, and I want to talk about education today a little bit, okay. Dale. So 
So this, the, the, we had, we were kind enough to have on just just an incredible man last week. I thought uh, Chad Cohagen did a did a super job for us last mm-hmm. week in explaining things. You know, I had some great comments. One of the comments um, someone talked about was was having students going in the construction zone, learning about the construction mm-hmm. zone, and yeah, that yeah. what you know. That. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, to yeah. take advantage of that learning situation right there and it, so it, it is it, it, it is um, part of this is taken from a from um, a lady called excuse me a man called Terrell Hike the founder and director of teach thought and and so I want to give you uh, this as I as I talked you go back, Alexander the Great had a full conscience and awareness of his contribution to Greek continuation and eternity. He himself transferred learning, culture, and the Greek way of life. He created educational centers, schools, where the basic reading for the student was Homer, as for thousands of years before and after him. Since before Alexander period up to the Eastern Roman Empire. As you look at education, education hasn't changed a lot since Alexander the Great. Um, Alexander had for four years of education, his students studied grammar, rhetoric, which is public speaking, right. um, dialect, um, writing, geometry, um, and arithmetic, math, astrology, which is science, and music, you know, and and also taught how to shoot a longbow, physical education, <laughs> or not a longbow, a physical education. Yeah, sword fighting. And, yeah, yeah, sword fighting and the like. For fun and profit. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, his educator was famous um, Socrates. Okay. Uh, you know, and you think about and name a famous teacher, Dale. You know, today, yeah. name a famous teacher. Yeah. I mean, other than the people that you and I know, <laughs> you can't. But there are there are some changes. You know, we haven't changed it. Since, education hasn't changed since before Christ, Dale. It frightens me a little bit. Well, yeah, but you um, know, the brain still works the same way. It does, Dale, but... But what I'm saying is that uh, if they found a way to have people learn things, then they would keep doing that. But I understand what you're saying, too. So go, go ahead. Now, let I, me throw I, I some things at that. you. Yeah. And I'll let, yeah. no, no, that's all right. right. I, I value yeah. Let me throw some things at you. And you have to remember that, that, that uh, I was raised by a union man. I was raised by a teamster. Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty pro union educator as well. I was ISEA and JEA and and NEA, you know, every every year of my life. But some of these are every year that I taught in my life. So so um as I as I say these things, um some of these go go against excuse me, the union. But some of these is some some of these are good things. You know, um and a lot of these are for high school students. Have students design their own quality criteria and develop frameworks that helps them understand. So develop criteria of how they want to learn. You know, Dale, I used to do a, I used to do a uh, an exercise with my students the first 
my first week with a freshman. You know, um, you you can tell what kind of learners are learners people are by how how they use their eyes. If they go side to side, they are audio learners. They go up and down, they are visual learners. And sometimes, sometimes people are learn by doing. They're kinesthetic learners. It's that's where a lot of students struggle. But you have to find ways that people learn. You can't. You cannot always teach people the same way. Yeah. So you got to find a framework for people. You can't just cover the material and think it's been taught yeah. and learned. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. You have to embrace that there's no best way to teach something. Um, and and we, we've gotten better at that way as educators, I think. We yeah, because you could think of teachers that maybe you had. In, I could think of a teacher I had in high school, and you could tell – the way they were teaching us is the same way they've been teaching every class that everyone through mm-hmm. there. And they had one method, and that was it. And yeah. so we've gotten better about that, yeah. I think, yeah. We, we have to make classroom classrooms places that students want to be. And I watched as people would fight teachers not to have refrigerators in their room and coffee pots in their room mm-hmm. and, and food in their room. And by the by the time I was done, almost every teacher had a refrigerator in the room right? to feed students <laughs> um, that 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 perhaps didn't didn't have food at home or didn't get a chance to eat. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, that you had yeah. It. Okay, it changed drastically. One thing that that we've got to get over um, as a society is we've got to let students use their smartphones in school now. They're, they're smartphones. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, these are computers in their hands. You know, I mean, every, the, there are ways in which um, there are ways in which they, they can be used as a benefit in school. Um, they're, they're not, they're not that, that demon device that everybody wants to make. We need to have every school adopted by one business. So like that battery place in Owine could adopt the end of the Owine school district. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very easy. One organization could adopt the Lion Club. The Lions Club here in Jessup could adopt the the uh, Jessup Community School real easily. There's some incredible businessmen and and women on the Lions Club that could that that could do a lot of good for our and perhaps one institution of some kind maybe a maybe a church maybe a maybe a government um, office of some kind could adopt a school as well mm-hmm. um, there's a lot that could be done and then here here's something that as a young teacher I would have hated this but there's no doubt we need to be live streaming every classroom why are we hiding I mean wh- why would teachers want to be hit Teachers should want to, should want people to see what's going on in their classroom if they're proud of their work. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is. Obviously, we discipline students in our classroom. You know, and but, and we don't want to embarrass those children. If the children know that they're being live streamed as well, and their parents are watching or can be watching, are going to see what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. They're also not going to do things wrong. Yeah. There's a value in, in live streaming um, 
things in the classroom. Plus, if a student is sick, they can go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we found during COVID that that it that people aren't going to that are, people aren't going to everybody's not going to learn well at home. Um, people need to come to go to school, and I'm not. I'm not saying we need to need to put everything on a computer and on TV. But what I'm saying is if we live stream our classroom, people aren't going to attack teachers like legislators are doing right now. They're going to see that they're doing a pretty good job. Is anybody doing that that you know of? Or uh, the, the, as a district or as districts a Districts do or? that. Um, I know that in Minnesota and Wisconsin – they have winter, winter learning days when they can't go to school. Mm-hmm. And they have things taped that they use. Oh, okay. But it is, it is, uh, it's not a full, it's not a full time. And there's not, a, there's not enough studies on it yet. Okay. We need to listen to teachers, not to the legislators. Teachers spend over 190 days in their classrooms. The legislators a lot of them haven't been in the classroom since they graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. So they need to listen to they need to listen to teachers. Um, we need to talk to our parents about our teachers need to talk to the parents and schools need to talk to the parents about what families need from the school. Uh, I, I am convinced the more I talk to parents as an educator. Deal. The more success I had, and that is that's important. Here's a, here here's a groundbreaking one. We need to eliminate all in-person staff meetings. I'm not saying not have staff yeah. meetings. Have them on the computer. Yeah, you know, well, I, a lot of people would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, so. yeah. You can have one one a month or one quarterly. Yeah, but th- there's not a reason why you should have two or three a week. Yeah. No, I I, I don't feel like comments or not, but. Uh, we used to have these, when Mr. Sapp was the principal for K through 8, and we'd have these staff meetings, and so there'd be things that just involved the 8th graders and things that just involved the 3rd graders, and the rest of us are listening to all of this go on. And one day he said to me, why do the teachers hate these staff meetings so much? You know, they, they grumble about them. And I said, well, everybody's got stuff to do. Now, tomorrow, if you didn't get all your stuff done, you can go in your office and nobody's going to bother you and get it done. But we have to be done by 8 o'clock tomorrow morning to, eat, to meet those students when they come in. And so if we're at the staff meeting for two hours after school, that's two hours worth of work. We have to find some other time to do yeah. because we got to get ready the next day. And so I, I would agree to get rid of most of those staff meetings. Uh, yeah. You could just, with the technology they have today, you could do it much easier, Right, I believe. Um, we need to transform schools into cultural centers with cutting-edge experts, technology, and programs. You know, here we are, a town of 1,500, 2,000 people, you know, it is, and, and we have this incredible facility at Jessup, mm-hmm. you know, at the school. Oh, it's a wonderful building. Yeah, you know, and, and we are making it even better right now after talking with Mr. Coegan last week. We could we could make it the cultural center of our town, including, you know, allowing the elderly there. The, you know, the, having having community celebrations there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason why we can't do that. Um, we need to stop encouraging students to go to overpaid colleges. Dale, the first two years I went to college, I went to NIAC and. 
I got a work study job, and I had a wonderful boss. I um, I, earned, I earned enough money to have a pretty good time during my time those first two years. Plus, I studied during that time, answered the phone during that time. We have universities and colleges now over $60,000 a year. Yeah, and they can't be worth it. No, no. no. We, we, need to, we, need to, we, we need to stop sending people to those colleges that don't need to go there. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that can go to Hawkeye or go to— I tell you, Mr. Relo, the industrial tech man, has got a, got a number of guys going down to the welding school down in down in northern Missouri down there, mm -hmm. and going out and getting real high paying jobs when they get done there. Yeah, and it's like an eighteen month school, mm -hmm. eighteen month long. It, it just runs straight eighteen months. We need to make middle school about self-discovery, accountability, and how, introduce them on how to find and evaluate information. I read a study once, and their conclusion was that middle school kids, their body changes or sucking up so much of their energy. Teaching academics in the middle school is almost a waste of time. Yeah. There's other things you could do to help them as people or more social studies kind of things maybe or whatever, but that... Uh, trying to teach them a lot of new skills when, when most of their energy just went into their body changes uh, was, was pretty much a waste of time. So I never saw anything more about that study, but uh, there was one conclusion they came up with is to let the middle school kids, let the academics, the powerful academics go at, during that time, concentrate more on becoming a better person and those kind of things. So uh, I agree with you. Um, we, we need to make high school about citizenship, about thinking habits, and participate in physical and digital networks, you know, and, you know, how to network with and meet people. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm dealing, dealing with a couple of young people right now, and they just won't answer their phone. Yeah. They won't talk to me on their phone. <laughs> they, I mean, I understand people don't want to talk to me, Dale, but it's pretty important for them. It's financially important to mm -hmm. them, and they won't talk to me. Yeah. They won't answer. They won't, you know, I, I talked to one of their one of their parents, and they said they hate talking on the telephone. I'm not going to hunt them down. Yeah. You know, I'll find somebody else, Dale. You know, it is, it is you know, we, we need to teach people how to network. We need, we need to fund schools like venture capitalists. I mean, we got to put money in schools. Um, Chad, last week, talked about cost $7,600 or, or, you know, the state has given us $7,600 per student, but we're not getting a raise because we lost 10. Well, we can't threaten schools, hey, we're going to take money away from you. You know, it, it, it is. We, we need to fund schools for many reasons that I'm going to talk about here. If, if students underperform, we've got to stop punishing them. They know they underperformed. We got. We got to find a find a way. We can hold them accountable and find them a way to have success. You know, there there used to be an argument. Well, somebody fails, you can't let them do it again. You got to give them an F. Mm -hmm. Well, that's punishment. You know, I, I'm convinced, Dale. Instead of scoring from 100 down, you score from zero up. <laughs> I mean, so or or even go this far, go from one 
score one, two, three. Mm-hmm. One or a zero didn't do it. Yeah. One um, did it um, partially did it poorly. Mm-hmm. Two um, did it did it acceptable. Three did did it very well. Yeah. I mean, then mm-hmm. that's all you need. Yeah. You don't you don't need to score one hundred ninety eighty seventy sixty. I mean, it's pretty easy. Life's easy, Dale. Yeah. But that would get, I know, we have done, in the elementary school, the lower elementary, we use numbers and everything, and the parents, they understand A, B, C, D. You know, they didn't understand, you know, check marks and this and that. And so resisted that, they didn't like it. You would have to have some education of the parents. Well, I suppose with all these things, too, yeah. you're changing these things. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the uh, you got to make it. You got to make students accountable to the, to each other rather than to teachers. Make them accountable to one another. Okay. More teamwork. Yeah. yeah. Small groups. Now, here here here's one thing. You could change education drastically. Every teacher in your school has has one great skill that is extremely good at something. Find that skill that that teacher has and let them lead your school with that skill. Okay. I mean, you know, they can do other things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I really believed in in social work, and I'm proud of I'm proud of the stuff I did with with community community service mm-hmm. sure. work in our community. But some of the other teachers weren't excited about that. Yeah. They wanted to do it their way. Mm-hmm. Well, that was their way. Well, if, if they would have realized that, that I, I invested a lot of research and a lot of time in that, and that some of the stuff that I, that I presented to my students would have been, been a beneficial to them as well, yeah. you know, I, th- I think they would have liked it. You know, and there, there are other things as well. Um, so you'd be teaching the teachers so they could teach the students? Yeah. You could, but you could do it that way. But or have you do the all in that area? You do the you you, you could do, do it in that yeah. area. Okay, you could do it in that. Sure. You, you know, there's a, there, you know, you could do it however you want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, here's one that's gonna going to goes against my my union <laughs> my union beliefs, but I believe this. Okay. Dale. All right. Pay every teacher and administrator the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're the first year teacher. Or a thirty-year man like you and I were. Mm-hmm. If, if Blake's a first-year teacher, give him fifty thousand dollars a year. If I'm a, a thirty-year man, give me fifty thousand dollars a year. Mr. Coygan's the superintendent, give him fifty thousand dollars a year. We're all going to work hard. You know, I'm, it's not communism. I'm not because you can go out if you want to go out and if you want to earn extra things. If you want to coach, you want to get a summer job. You can do other things as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I'm not convinced, and I, I have a friend that's a doctor that has his doctorate that teaches English in a school district near us, mm-hmm. high school English. He's, got, he's a doctorate, and he, he earns like $120,000 a year. He has a doctor, doctor's he's degree. He's a PhD, you're talking about. Yeah, okay. he has All a right. PhD. Okay, good for him. But I guarantee you, the English teacher next to him is working just as hard as he is in the classroom. You don't think that the people with a PhD know more and have more to offer because of the studies they have done? The the uh, you have that if you want to. So if you don't like your position you're in at that school, 
then you may you may go to a different a, a different um, if you change the education scale in a school that person may go to a different um, job uh-huh you know he doesn't have to stay in education yeah or he can go into college sure you know sure he's invested but I'm not convinced that he is doing as good a job or better job than the person that has a master's in the room next to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got his doctorate, good for him. Some of these you may not agree with. Make, make school budgets entirely transparent. You know, I mean, and no attack on Chad. Uh, superintendents, superintendents have to watch budgets so close. You have, you have a budget for the junior class, the sophomore class, the senior class, the freshman class. You have athletic budgets. You have music budgets. You have high school budgets. You have all social sorts mm-hmm. of budgets. Yeah. Let people see those. Make those budgets online. You, you, see, you see art is only getting X amount of dollars. Why is the art program not good? Yeah. Well, they only... They only have this many dollars. Yeah. No, I think in Iowa, we have these laws where you have, you think, okay, the school district has a big pot of money and they just spend it on what they need. But uh, school districts have several pots of money. So you may have millions of dollars in your physical improvement budget and you need money in the instructional, but you cannot transfer money over from one to, even though you don't need it. And I think it was Superintendent Davenport actually ended up losing his job and his his uh, licensing because uh, he had all this money in one, and he needed it for instruction, mm-hmm. to buy books and that sort of thing. And it was against the law for him to do that. Well, he did it anyway yep. and ended up, uh, I think, going before the board and ended up losing his job. Yep, he did. Uh, for the, the big board, not his own board, but the board in uh, Des Moines. That, so yeah, the uh, board of if Edmund. they would just say, okay... Jessup, here's your money, what you think is right through your board of education, and oh. uh, we'll keep our mitts out of it. But and that's the way I think they used to do it way back when, before the state got involved. Each school district would see how much money they needed, and they would tax their people for that amount of money. And then the state got involved. You know, just send all the money to us, and then we'll send it back to you. And then they made all these little things, and so it just makes life much harder. And if you're going to have local control, then let the local school boards. I agree so. wholeheartedly. The next, the next one you'll agree with, we, we need to let teachers drive their own professional development. Chad talked about having, oh, I can't remember what he talked about, uh, the graduate, the perfect graduate. Mm-hmm. There was a name for it last week, and it slips my mind, which is really good. You know, sort of what the community expects of you yeah and so they do the in-service part for that Mm -hmm. but i believe my classroom i i taught social studies i taught history and geography and and parts of government and contemporary affairs and sociology there's some incredible teachers in our area that teach those classes i should i should be able to go during my in-service and study those teachers. Why not allow me to choose my in-service? Yeah, instead of having an in-service where K through 12 is sitting there yes. learning the same thing from, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think uh, administrators, I think one of the hardest things they have to do is come up with in-service programs that are beneficial, and so they would love it, I think, if you would 
have a program like you're talking about now and uh, have a plan. Yeah. Have, mm-hmm. you, you need to have a plan. Yeah. Teachers need to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Our legislators need to stop de- demonizing teachers. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, I, I see after Chad talked about that, 99 people from our county applied for that that tax break to go to parochial schools. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 99 people, which which is fine. Those 99 people are going to go to schools where there are humans teaching them. Um, it, 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 there's no difference. Here, here's the problem that comes with with many of these these charter schools, parochial schools. Many of those parochial schools do not have to take special special ed students. Yeah, and so we we need to stop demonizing teachers and and solve the problem. Put put money toward those those students that need that help. Yeah. Well, and this comes down from the top, you know, because we have people in this country, they're indicted, and so they blame the judge or they blame the district attorney or they blame somebody, but they never accept any responsibility themselves. They uh, blame the Department of Justice, they blame the FBI, they blame everybody because they're being looked at and indicted because there's evidence that they committed a crime and they need to go to trial over that. And I think it just has filtered down where now if you are... uh, you, you attack, rather than trying to solve the problem, you attack the group that's talking about the problem. And uh, that's just the way our world is right now. So. We attack, you're right. We need to push government out of the school. Now I'm not talking push the school board out, or I'm talking push legislators out. The legislators are a long ways from understanding what goes on in yeah. In in the school building, they they can't be making the choice for local school districts. Um, we need mentors in our school. Let's say you have you have sixty sixty seniors this year. Those sixty seniors all need to have a mentor, a different mentor every year. Mm-hmm. Now it could be an uncle. It could be a it could be an aunt. It could be a businessman. It could be a clergyman, and we could we we could set a limit that that a mentor could have no more no no more than three students. But we need outside influence yeah. as far as locally local outside influence. You know, if they want to change, if they want to, if they want students to help the community. Community needs to have influence on the students. Right. We need to reco- require parents in the community to teach as well. They need to be in the building teaching. Not, not. I'm not talking full time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking. I know an overused man in our community is Zach Knutson. Spends a lot of time in the school building. Mm-hmm. Does a lot. Does a lot of, a lot. We are, and we are videotaping in, in. Uh, in a room used by um, the one of the classes at, at the Jessup School right now, and I know he does a lot with that class. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have some great we have some great people that that could could do a lot for our classrooms in our town. The 4-H program, I don't know if it's still when my kids were in 4-H, they would have different people come in 
and a lot of times it was parents of the kids and teach them something that they knew something about. Mm-hmm. And so they, they used the parents as teachers to show them how to crochet or uh, make bread dough or whatever, you know, it's just a skill so that the kids would have some idea of a certain thing and they would learn something and they used the parents as the teachers. And so, so almost everybody has something. Yes, they do. They could uh, share with others. So. Um, and the, la- the last one I want to talk about is design every school uh, as a think tank to understand and address local problems, opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a problem in a town, you don't want to hide that problem with students yeah. from students. You want you want to involve them in how to solve that problem in a town. If you have a business leaving town, if you have if you have a a conflict on the, on the city council, mm-hmm. things like that. You you need to to make the school system a, a think tank. Yeah. One other thing that that I, I didn't. Two other, one other thing I didn't mention: uh, our students need to travel more. We we need to develop relationships with schools in other countries, mm-hmm. and have a sister school, let's say in England or. Or we have a large German community here in town. It could be in Germany. Mm-hmm. And we could do exchanges where those German students come to our school and and our, our students go to their school mm-hmm. for a week or um, two weeks or a month out of their high school life. Do we get exchange students anymore? We do, we do. do? Okay, because I knew we had in the past, so. So I'm I'm interested in what we we hear from the, uh, what we hear from from the community as far as as their thoughts on changes in education. And uh, please don't take that as as an attack on, on Jessup schools or or Don Bosco, or St. A's. Um, it is just. It is. Uh, you you go back to you go back to Socrates since time since education has changed. So we we need to find ways to change that. Some events inside the Steve Brown Arts Center, and this is the Steve Brown Arts Center podcast network. November third, the the Littleton Chatham Historical Society is having a chili supper. We were we we are having a change in artists. We are working at at setting up an artist right now. We we have an artist with a conflict, so uh, we um, we will let you know who that artist is. our new artist is next week, December second, with the help of Blake. Um, we will be broadcasting at the Holiday Festival. Dale, you is that you, right? You talked to Mr. Uh, Fett Kether in City Hall, tell us about your conversation there. Well, <laughs> we talked about using the gazebo mm-hmm. and because there's a power there and that we could use for our equipment, this sort of thing. And he said that, well, we'd have to kick Santa Claus out of the bottom floor if we wanted to use that. And I said, well, I, I don't think we want to get involved with kicking Santa Claus out. So he offered us the top floor, and we can run cords up there and with the idea that uh, there'd be a lot of people there trying to see Santa Claus, and we can grab them <laughs> and have them talk to us a little there bit about go. different things to try to see how the things are going in the community or whatever we, uh, we want them to talk about. And so uh, he thought that would be wonderful. Yes. And so... Uh, they're also going to have like uh, 
a supper in the basement of the city hall. Oh, wonderful. That sort of thing. And Santa Claus will be out there, and I'm sure uh, there'll be other things going on. And so I hope, uh, I hope it's a nice night, and I hope the community supports this kind of thing because uh, these are the kind of things that keep a community together. And so uh, if you can get out and support these things, that'd be great. So Blake, Blake is working um, at... Perhaps us doing our first live broadcast that night on uh, on our YouTube channel. We need so, a lot of editing, though. I'm, that's kind of scary, don't well, you think? Well, it, it is our attention to have our attention intention <laughs> to have our largest crowd ever. Okay. Um, and it, let's say we talk to them that night, then they can listen when it comes out the following week. Well, sure. So if we talk to 150 people, they'll all want to hear themselves being interviewed. All yeah, right. There you We're go. We're working hard then. Yes, we are. I have to give Blake a microphone too and say. I hope so. I think he'll do that? He will. He will. <laughs> yep. All right. If you would like to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center or have any idea for an event, go to stevebrownartscenter.org and follow the link. If you have any news or would like to sponsor us, email us at jim at stevebrownartcenter.org or call 319-290-0241 and leave a message. Um, Dale, is there anything else that uh, we didn't share? Well, I was going to share. Uh, I got an email today. Uh, Frank Tofola, who is uh, a guy I graduated from high school with, uh, class of 65, has died. He's the 45th member of our class to die. Mm. I thought that's getting to be a real high number. And we're all at age 76, and so it's about Frank's brother, neighbor Tofola, was in the Marine Corps and was killed in Vietnam, and then Frank was also in the Marine Corps the uh, same time I was there. And uh, so uh, they have a sister that's left now, and she also graduated with us. So the three uh. of them uh, were all in the class of 65, and two of them are gone now. But uh, I just thought, when you think about it, 45, I don't remember how many were in the class. It was quite a few, but... That just seemed like a high number, doesn't it? So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. So, anyway, so if you're old wine class of '65, Frank Tafola has died. Um, with that said, I'm Jim Gillespie. Thanks to co-host Dale Reber, our producer Blake Tempest, and Kelly C. Haas at Cowork Five Nine One Studios. Um, thanks to the audience for bringing these stray dogs into your day. And remember, each day is about little victories.